So like um, Dr. Robo said, this was a topic that was assigned to me, are venetoclax combinations the standard of care for AML? Um, so I'm going to debate this and do my best. And just to remind Dr. Lee, everything is fair in war. So here was the venetoclax approval. We call it the venami or tsunami of AML drug approvals in 2018. And the only difference being that this was a very good tsunami, not a destructive one. And how did this change the treated, treatment landscape of AML? Higher CR rates than any other regimen in newly diagnosed AML. If you look at older patients and look at all these um, combinations or single agents, uh, Venetoclax plus HMA, 76% CR, with lotozerase, 54%. But remember, this was um, a group of people who were heavily um, hypomethylating agent-exposed um, patients, so that uh, CR rate is not, um, not uh, bad. Uh, with Glastigib, 22% CR plus CRI, single agent, hypomethylating agents, 20%. Ivocininib and Nenacidinib, 34 and 40%. CPX351, 47%, and mind you, this is chemotherapy, intensive chemotherapy. Seven and three, the control arm in the, um, in the uh, trial of, of CPX351 versus seven and three was 33%, and uh, gemtuzumab was 26%. And why is CR important? Um, well, patients' counts get better. So um, if you have somebody who goes into CR, forget the survival, and we're, we're going to get there in a minute, um, but just to have people who are in remission and can be transfusion independent and travel is a big deal. So CR rates are important in older patients with, uh, with AML. And also it can get this faster. So the median time to CR for these um, patients on venetoclax combinations is about four to five weeks. So it is no longer four months and six months of treatments with some of these targeted treatments um, or single agent um, hypomethylating agents, this is quick response and highly um, um, high CR rates. Now what about duration of CR? We love to say that, okay, you can get into a CR, but does it last? It does. Um, if you look at um, the, the, the duration of CR, and uh, is about over a year for sure, um, and some of them are continuing to be in CR for a long time. So these are not transient three or four months CR. They continue to be in, in uh, CR for a while. So then let's go to overall survival. So everybody, this has been like one of those things in AML. Lots of drugs have failed because we could not demonstrate survival benefit in patients with uh, um, AML with all of these treatments. So if you look at survival, and I understand that these, these are smaller phase two data and the phase three trial is currently pending, but the median overall survival with um, HMA and venetoclax was 7.5 months. If you look at the two years, a two-year survival rate of 46% is almost never heard of with other regimens um, with, um, with this. And these are people are high chance of going into CR and then being alive two years later. So this is important in an incremental um, way. Um, so then one might argue that venetoclax, okay, you can get a high CR, but there's so, but AML is a heterogeneous disease. We, we love to say that in, in the leukemia land. So there are so many subgroups, everybody is different. Um, does it work in everybody? So, 
The answer is yes. Um, so if you look at the cytogenetic risk, intermediate and poor, um, the CR8 is 74 and 59% in poor risk, which generally is chemorefractory, most of these complex karyotypes. If you look at AML de novo and secondary, CR8 is identical at 67% in both groups. Um, and age less than 75 versus over 75, you're still seeing 69 and 64% CR rates. Um, the whole concept of biologically adverse disease is almost being negated by these combinations. And I don't want to show these slides again, but um, Dr. Obers uh, showed this as well, that in low-dose um combinations as well, the CR rates were very good. And although in people who have prior HMA exposure, the CR rate was 33%, um, it was higher in the other groups. And if you look at the prior HMA group across any of these um, groups, uh, the other drugs that we talked about, we're not really going anything higher than the 30 percentage CR rate. So it's not like it's underperforming. It's performing at par. Um, and perhaps better than the others. How about all these mutations? So when we see patients uh, come, into the, uh, come in and you send this mutation panel, um, uh, you, you're waiting two weeks for many of this full panel to come back. Um, and sometimes we can wait, sometimes you have to treat. So we have all these targeted agents and you have, you're thinking what to treat these patients with. So look at, let's look at all of these mutations and how venetoclax um, you know, performed, uh, combinations performed uh, over here. Now again, these are phase two data, I get it. But look at the CR rates, they speak for themselves. FLIT3, 72% CR rate, IDH, 71%, and there was actually a recent update that claimed 90% CR rates in the IDH-mutated um, uh, um, patients. NPM1, 91%, TP53, 47%. So TP53 mutations are generally chemorefractory. We don't really see a very high CR rate in it. And the approval of Vixios um, or CPX351 was obviously important, um, but the CR rate over there was overall 47%, particularly in the TP53 mutated one. There was an updated ASH last year that the CR rate was about 30%. So even in the TP53 mutated groups, venetoclax combinations performed better. Sure, there are toxicities, but they can be managed. That's what we leukemia doctors do. Um, you know, AML has scared us for generations to come, so we're never going to put our guard down. There's going to be cytopenias. There are drug interactions. It is important to monitor. But if you have that high class of a problem that you're in remission and we're talking about managing maintenance and cytopenias, we can deal with that. So Dr. Lee might argue, can it actually improve cure rates? You know, you can get into CR, but could, could it really cure older patients with AML? Now, patients with venetoclax-treated combinations, um, uh, they can proceed to transplant. Obviously, we're not stopping any of these. We could transplant up to age 75. If you have lesser induction morbidity with these lower intensity regimens and venetoclax combinations, they might have better performance status going into transplant. A higher CR rate is going to put more patients towards the goal of transplant instead of the traditional 40% and 20% CR rates that we've been talking about. And then let's look at the MRD status. You know, MRD is, is an upcoming field in AML, and there's a concept that if you're MRD negative, perhaps your chances of being cured by transplant is higher. So if you look at the MRD status over here, um, it, it, with the HMA combinations, 45% 
MRD negative rate. If you look at MRD status in older patients with AML, standard risk, it's about 45 to 50% MRD negative rate in standard risk AML. If you look at adverse or higher risk uh, AML, there is no concept like MRD negative because most of the time we find that MRD. But in this situation, even with people who are older, with the group of patients that um, have had pre prior um, exposures, TP53 mutations, the MRD rate is higher. So if you have a higher MRD rate, maybe you'll be transplanted and, and lead to a higher chance um, of a cure. So I agree with the, with the concept that there's lots of tools, um, that there's so many different drugs that are treated, several combinations coming up. It is important that uh, we look at all of that and figure out what is the best treatment option for our patient. But I argue that the venetoclax combinations is like Thor's hammer. Okay? You can't win the world or save the world without it. It is one of the biggest tools in AML management, and venetoclax, I argue, is the standard of care. Um, venetoclax combinations are the standard of care in AML. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Robos. Um, so I have the unfortunate uh, task of arguing against venetoclax. It's almost impossible, but I will try. So I'm usually an optimist when I treat leukemia patients, and I always tell patients we have great treatments, and um, venetoclax is a game changer, and I'm an optimist. However, for argument's sake, if you look at the CR rate for venetoclax combination data for venetoclax with HMA or venetoclax with low-dose itarabine, yeah, sure, it is, um, there is higher CR rate and remission rate, but then it's not durable. Um, if you look at the venetoclax plus HMA um, duration of CR, it's usually about 11, 12 months, and it's a little lower for venetoclax with low-dose itarabine patients, about eight months. So, yes, um, it, it's maybe better than decidabine alone, but these are single-agent, single-arm studies, and the response is not necessarily durable. And in our clinic currently, we are seeing lots of patients who have received venetoclax uh, with combinations and who have relapsed and, and uh, we are, uh, there's not a lot of therapies and we're considering clinical trials. So response rate is not as durable as you think. Now looking at the same slides, I mean, survival is not forever. Um, we like to cure patients in AML and these are short um, follow-ups, but especially for low-dose cytarabine and venetoclax, uh, median uh, overall survival is about 10 months and uh, it's maybe a bit longer in venetoclax with hypomethylene agents, but the survival is not durable, may not be durable for these patients either. This is one um, analysis by the French group presented at ASH last year, looking at ages 60 to 70 patients, 70 years old, uh, looking at patients who underwent intensive chemotherapy, and they looked at patients who were able to undergo allogenic stem cell transplant versus who didn't. And there seems to be a clear um, survival benefit, obviously, for patients who were able to undergo intensive chemotherapy preceded by allogeneic stem cell transplant. Five-year overall survival for um, both ELN intermediate and poor-risk patients um, are obviously a lot higher for patients who are able to undergo allogenic stem cell transplant, about 50% for five years for intermediate and 44% for poor risk patients ages 60 to 70. So what this tells you is that yes, venetoclax with um, HMA may give you uh, CR and uh, may give you 
um, longer survival, but then actually if you have a subset of patients who are younger, a bit younger, and are able to undergo allogeneic stem cell transplant, then that may be a um, way to um, put patients in cure. Also, when um, looking at patients who are difficult to treat, um, those patients, a lot of our older patients have had hypomethylene agents for MDS, and the venetoclax with um, hypomethylene agents uh, trial excluded patients with hypomethylene agents. However, if you look at the trial for uh, venetoclax with low-dose and look at response rates for patients who've had prior hypomethylene agents, the true CR rate is 4%, and overall um, CR rate is 33%. Now, these are very difficult to treat patients. However, still, these are um, lower, low response rates for these patients. So I guess what I'm saying is that there is always room for improvement in terms of difficult to treat patients. Furthermore, as Dr. Robos presented, there is actually phase three data looking at patients uh, uh, with um, prior MDS, um, CMML or MDS cytogenetic-related changes, ages 60 to 75. And this is a phase three data uh, looking at those patients who were able to undergo intensive chemotherapy, uh, comparing CPX351 versus 7 plus 3. And in, in that study, which was a phase three study, there was higher CR and CRI rate. And about 30% of those patients were able to undergo allogeneic stem cell transplant. Survival was uh, longer in those patients. Um, on the left is the overall population. However, on the right are a subgroup of patients who were able to undergo stem cell transplant. And they, as you can see, there's a clear, even clear um, benefit in survival. And the, there is significant um, median overall survival that hasn't, hadn't been reached uh, by this publication. So, what I'm saying essentially is that for a subset of patients who are younger, um, close to 60, who are able to undergo intensive therapy, whether it be intensive chemotherapy or venetoclax combination, allogeneic stem cell transplant should be considered. Also, part of what Dr. Robos presented was that um, IDH1 mutations are rare in AML and occur in about 10% of patients. However, in the trial for ivocidinib for IDH1 mutated patients, they did include patients who were newly diagnosed who were treated with single-agent IDH1 inhibitor. And in that group, CR rate was about 30%, with um, combined CR rate about 42%, and combined CR rate was somewhat comparable to venetoclax with cytarabine for patients who had prior HMA with 27%. And time to remission was 2.8 months, and survival was 20, 12 months in that uh, subgroup of patients uh, who were newly diagnosed. The difference between ivocidinib and venetoclax with HMA and lodocytarabine, I would argue, is that ivocidinib is a single agent, and it doesn't require you to use a partner such as hypomethylene agents and lodocytarabine, and it might be easier for certain patients to be able to tolerate that regimen versus the venetoclax combination. So in summary, um, venetoclax uh, CR rate is not durable, and stem cell transplant may um, uh, provide uh, survival benefit and should be considered for eligible patients, even though they, they might be older than 60 years old. And for those who are eligible, intensive chemotherapy, such as CPX351 or targeted agents, may be um, a viable option for a selected group of patients. So 
the Nerdclox is sort of a Thor's hammer. However, I'm, I argue that there are some subgroup of patients who might benefit from alternative therapies. This is my acknowledgement, and thank you, Dr. Coleman and the organizers of this committee. So, um, okay, so I tricked everyone, though, because the question wasn't really fair, was it? Um, but I can do that. So the question, if you read it, said, and I haven't told them this yet, so they're super nervous sitting right now because they don't really know what I'm going to say. But the debate was whether or not this was the standard of care for patients who are older than 60, right? And that's not where venetoclax is approved in combination with hypomethylators or in low-dose cytarabine. So I just want to point out, and I think that it was a very, I did that a little bit deliberately to kind of force the question, but I think we are all struggling with what actually is the difference between certain 60 to 70-year-olds and 70 and above? And there are plenty of patients between 60 and 70 who could never be considered for a stem cell transplant because of profound comorbidities. And there are plenty of patients older than 70 who actually look great and could be considered for stem cell transplant. So I actually think that Dr. Lee did a great job in bringing up this, the transplant points and also bringing up the points which I want to emphasize over and over again that these valuable contributions of the novel agents in terms of additional months are, we love them. But it is really hard, actually, when somebody is doing very well and relapses after 13 months or after 14 months, and it does drive home very profoundly how short those periods of time are. So we're here, and the meeting is here, and everybody in the room is uh, shooting for cure.